and welcome in. We appreciate you joining us for this latest edition of the Prairie and Smith podcast. Can't wait to talk some more Sunbelt football in just a moment. But before we do, if you haven't listened to our last episode with Georgia Southern Athletic Director Jared Banco, where he talked about hiring Clay Helton, the significant investment being made in facilities at Georgia Southern, as well as the continued NIL arms race in the league, you're going to want to make sure to check that out immediately. Today, though, on episode 85 of the show, we're going to be continuing our position previews ahead of the 2023 season. Caden, we wrapped up the offensive previews, and now we turn our attention to the defensive side of the football for the first time. On today's episode, we're diving deep into the stacked defensive line position in the league. Caden, I know it's music to your ears to hear that we're talking the defensive side of the football. This is a star-studded grouping of players that are going to be true game wreckers in the league this fall. They definitely will be, no, and you know I'm super excited to finally get to the defensive side of the ball with these offseason rankings because there's just so much defensive talent in this conference, and it's been like that for a very, very long time. And I think especially at this position group, I think there's a lot of production to be had. We lost a lot of great pass rushers, a lot of great run stoppers from last season. So I think there's a lot of sacks and TFLs to be had this year, and I'm very excited to see where some of these guys on this list go. Some of them, we know what they're going to do. They're going to have great, consistent production that we saw from last year. But some of the guys at the bottom of the list maybe might creep up and make a big impact and do some big things this year in a season where there might be some sacks and TFLs to have. Well, as we promised, we'll be ranking our top 10 defensive linemen in the Sun Belt in this episode. Let's not waste any more time. It's time to jump right into today's topic. Caden, top 10 Sunbelt defensive linemen. I know I passed the list making off to you on this side of the football. Uh, talk me through kind of what went into uh, your decision-making process when making out this top 10 list. I appreciate it, Noah. So I think the biggest factors that I look at when making these lists is obviously your production from last season. If you were productive last year, I expect you to be productive this year. A lot of it has to do with what team you're on and what your production is going to be, what you can kind of pan out and project. I like to, all these lists are fun to just look through the stats and see what people have done, but I like to watch as much tape as I can on the guys too and kind of project based on the season they had last year, what weapons they're losing and gaining, what they're going to do and be able to do this upcoming season. So it's a combination of kind of trying to project what they're going to do using some of their past production, even if they've been productive, even in past years before last season, using kind of their full resume is something to look at and just combining and pairing up using your eyes the eye test using the stats with the stat test and combining past present and future production Kate, i gotta admit i really enjoyed the prep for this episode and we're prepping for other defensive preview shows as well it made me realize just how much defensive talent was in the league last year and if i can you know maybe say one thing that i want to see us do better moving into the fall is focus a little bit more on the defensive side of the football because there's a ton of talented players that deserve their flowers as you like to say uh so definitely expect to see that or hear that from us uh as we move into the new season in 2023 well Caden, enough wasting time let's get to our top 10 and honestly when i look at this list Caden, there was not a lot of intrigue at the top there's just some guys that you knew were going to be at the top. There's one guy in particular that Caden, I felt like had to be our number one, and that's Owen Hurd, or Owen Porter, rather, from the Marshall Thundering Hurd. Uh, he was the ultimate game wrecker last season. He's coming off the best season of his career. He finished the 2022 season with 60 tackles, led the league with 15 TFLs, had nine and a half sacks, which was second only to Dominic Quiwan of Southern Miss, who had 10. Caden, he's now had back-to-back -back seasons with 10-plus TFLs. He finished last year with five TFLs over the final four games of the year. 
Caden, he flirted in the offseason with the idea of going pro, but ultimately decided to come back for another year. And he's once again going to anchor a Marshall defensive line that helped hold opponents to just 93 yards per game on the ground, which was the third fewest in the league last year. Caden, he'll have middle round upside in next spring's NFL draft if he's able to replicate his success from last season this year. Yeah, look, Owen Porter is an absolute monster, and I think there's a clear top two at this position, specifically if you look at the defensive line. It's really a coin flip. You can kind of go with either guy, depending on your preference, and we'll talk about the next guy on the list after we touch on some of Owen's accolades and his success. But look, this is a guy, like you mentioned, who could have went to the NFL draft this year. He decided to come back. He has the talent, the upside to play in the NFL, but this is a guy who came back for his sixth season, and he has vocalized that he wants to win this team a championship. And he sounds more motivated than ever. So if I was having to stand and block this guy this season, I would not want to do it. You don't want to do it in any particular year, but doing it in his sixth season, more more motivated than ever, would not want to be in front of Owen Porter this year. But look, this is a guy who was first-team all-conference last season. He's going to be on every preseason list this year as a first-team all-conference guy. Our company, On3, that I work for, has him as one of the four group of five players on their top 100 list coming in at four. 49 on the list. PFF has him as the fourth best returning edge rusher. This guy has all of the makings. If you look and read, you're going to see that this guy is ranked highly. And you mentioned it before. The reason why he's ranked so highly and regarded so highly in all these football spaces is because he is the definition of a game record. Just ask James Madison where he had nine tackles, four and a half tackles for loss, three and a half sacks, and a forced fumble in one game versus James Madison, one of the teams we've talked about in length. is just one of the most dominant teams in the country. But he's the definition of speed and power combined his frame at 63240 just gives him that explosive first step that i think is one of the best in the country definitely the best in the conference to the point where you watch his tape this dude's already across the line of scrimmage in the backfield sometimes when you look at the ball getting snapped and the it touching the quarterback's hands and own porters immediately in your face he can do it standing up on the edge he can do it with his hand on the ground as a defensive guy he doesn't come off the field he's absolutely relentless in the defensive nightmare he's a guy that you have to account for every team has them circled on the scouting report no matter who they're playing power five team group of five team fcs team d2 team doesn't matter every offense is going to know where owen porter is on the field at all times so to me he's a clear front runner as the guy in the conference is the premier defensive maybe even player not just lineman but player in the entire conference and i'm really excited to see what he does on this marshall team that's just absolutely loaded from last year Caden, i have not seen you that excited since you opened your christmas presents last year and got more podcasting <laughs> equipment take a breath right there uh but no all of that is so fair to say about owen porter he will be He's probably the front runner for defensive player of the year in the conference this coming year. He is that good and will be another large portion of that front line for Marshall heading into 2023. Caden, I know you said you had trouble separating one and two here, and I can understand why. You went with TJ Jackson at number two. Uh, he had a breakout season last year as a sophomore. He was rewarded with first team all Sunbelt honors for the first time in his career. He was one of just 16 players nationally that had over 14 and a half TFLs last season. He finished third in the Sun Belt, trailing only the aforementioned Owen Porter and Zion Hill Green, who has since departed Louisiana. He was a top 15 national player with 1.5 TFLs in five games. He had one and a half sacks in three different games. He really helped anchor a Troy defense, Caden, that was top five in total rushing and passing yards allowed last season. He's another player that feels like he carries a ton of NFL upside with that big frame. K9, 
Caden, you can expect TJ Jackson to once again be the tip of the spear for arguably one of the best defenses in the Sun Belt heading into 2023. You definitely can. And you touched on it. The craziest part of his season last year is that it was his only his only second year on the field. Truly, he was a reserve lineman with limited playing time in 2021. And then he absolutely bursted onto the scene for this amazing Troy defense last year, which is kind of look at the numbers. He's right behind Owen in a lot of those numbers. And Owen has a lot more previous production that we've seen. So that's kind of what the difference was for me. But you talked about it. He led this team last year with 14 and a half tackles for loss and eight sacks, which is not an easy thing to do on this Troy defense where those tackles, those tackles for loss and those sacks just are even more competitive on that defense. They're all fighting and running to the ball harder than any other team in the conference. So to me, leading the Troy defense in any given stat category is impressive, just given the year they had last year. But this guy's a big boy. He's a true defensive end. He's not one of those edge players as a tweener who drops into coverage sometimes. This is a six foot one, two hundred seventy pound defensive end that is going to hit you with strength and power every single snap, whether it's a run or a pass play. He's extremely strong. He's violent with his hands. He's a big part of why this Troy defense was so dominant last year, just because. He garners attention. He's one of the many players on this defense that you have to give extra attention to. And when you do that, other players are successful as a result. So anytime he got in those single situations where he was getting blocked by a defensive end, a running back was forced on pass protection. He took advantage of it. He capitalized on it. You talked about it. He had three games with one and a half sacks. He had four games with one and a half TFLs. That's what happens when you don't give him the proper attention. And when you do, other people go off. And we're going to talk about some of those other people on this list too. But as far as a team goes and a player having an impact on the team, Harden and I, what this guy did for Troy last season, helping them get to that championship game, clearing up those lanes for a guy like Carlton Marshall to make a ton of tackles. And I'm just very excited to see what he does in this next season, trying to build on what Troy did last year. Yeah, I mean, you look at these two guys, and if I was offensive lineman in the league, I would be shaking in my boots when I saw guys like Owen Porter and TJ Jackson lining up across from me. King, let's move on to number three, and this was the lowest that we could slide a James Madison Duke in this list because they lost some big-name guys last year, Isaac Ukwu, Jamari Edwards, uh, who kind of helped team up with this player to form an impenetrable wall. James Carpenter is the best returning defensive lineman for James Madison, a defense that, as we well know, was spectacular last year, particularly against the run. Caden, he orchestrated the best season of his career, finishing with 11.5 TFLs, 5.5 sacks, which were both career best, earned second team, all Sunbelt honors at the nose guard position. We mentioned what he was able to do alongside Edwards and Ukwu. Uh, JMU led the league in rushing yards allowed as well as total yards allowed, finishing third in passing yards allowed last year. He had some huge games against Louisville and in particular App State last year. He combined in those two games, 14 tackles, four and a half TFLs. Uh, we've seen steady growth from him over the past several seasons, Caden, and, and I think we should expect to see more from him this year, though the players in the top five, Caden, of the players in the top five, he's arguably has the most pressure to perform after some of those key losses on that Duke's uh, defensive line uh, heading into this year. Tons of great points, Noah. And James Car James Carpenter is one of just my absolute favorite players in the conference. He's finally getting, I think, the attention he deserves. Just playing a very thankless position at defensive tackle in that nose guard spot that's often overlooked. But the way he plays at all times garners a ton of attention. And I think from an outsider perspective, you kind of see that pop with some of the sacks and the plays he has. But even on the plays where he isn't making the play, he's not the one making the sack or making the tackle. The insiders in the league, the coaches, the players, they know that this guy's an absolute handful to deal with. When you look at the level of talent at that position specifically and the impact he's able to have for JMU up front, 
I would call him the Aaron Donald of the Samba. I think he just brings a different level of play at that nose tackle position and garners a different level of attention. You talked about the 11 and a half tackles for loss, the five and a half sacks. Many nose guards in the country are taking that stat line, like just period. You talked about the TFL numbers he's done in those outings he's had. Those stats and those numbers are cool, but the ones you touched on before as far as JMU's entire defense do a better job of painting the picture of what he does for this team. Number one in the conference in run defense, sacks per game, and tackles for loss per game, top five in the nation in all of those spots. A lot of that is because this guy is getting blocked by multiple players and freeing up other players throughout the duration of the ball game, whether it's those elite linebackers that we talked about before in a previous episode, whether it's Isaac Aku or Jamari Edwards that you were talking about who were freed up for those defensive end sacks that they were able to accumulate. This guy freed up a ton of players on a defense, and it's a very thankless job, and I'm glad we can finally give him some recognition. He's not the flashiest player, but he's extremely violent at the point of the attack. He occupies those A-gaps with ease, and on his worst day, he can just flat-out abuse your center. He can hit him under the chin all day and make him consider if he played the, ro- the right sport or not. So I think James Carpenter being on this list as the third-best defensive lineman in the conference is right where he belongs makes a huge impact at that defensive tackle spot. And for me, there's a huge fall off as far as talent at that position where he is at that high standard. And then it kind of takes a, a step back when you look at the rest of the conference at defensive tackles and specifically interior defensive linemen. Yeah, I have to agree with you. A lot of those guys uh, don't get a ton of credit, but like you said, they are the ones freeing up those defensive ends to really get into the backfield. And in James Carpenter's uh, case, he was, you know, part of that that wall that that didn't allow opponents to pick up many rushing yards last year for James Madison. Kane, let's move on. And I'm just going to, you know, preview this for our listeners. But the next two players are also going to be from Troy. Uh, we're going to start at number four. And it's Richard Dubinar. Uh, he continued just his run of dominance in the Sun Belt last year and will continue to be one of the true forces uh, to be reckoned with as we look ahead to 2023. Caden, he's garnered all SBC third team honors in each of the last three seasons, dating back to 2020. Uh, last year, he joined TJ Jackson with 10 plus TFLs on the year. Him and Jackson teamed up to be arguably the best defensive line combo in the Sun Belt uh, in 2022. And Caden, here's what I love about Juvenar. He's a big moment type player. He had forced fumbles in the fourth quarter against Western Kentucky and against Southern Miss during the regular season. And then we saw him force and recover a fumble, as well as pick up an interception in Troy's victory over UTSA in the Cure Bowl. Juvenar had seven and a half sacks in back-to-back seasons. Caden, this feels like the year that he could perhaps record double-digit sacks for the first time in his career. I agree with you. No, I think this is a big breakout candidate as far as looking at him being a guy who is third team all conference three consecutive seasons. And I think now this season might be the one where he's primed to have that breakout year, like you mentioned. But look, this is one of my absolute favorite players in the conference, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I wanted to rate him much higher, but I just couldn't because of how solid those three dudes were ahead of him. I think that's a very clear top three. But this dude is one of, if not the most versatile offensive or defensive player in the conference. I definitely think he's one of the best and most freaky athletes this conference has. I actually just sent you a tweet, Noah, that I want you to check out. Troy's strength coach, Rusty Whip, posted a picture of Richard Jubiner's back after a workout, and he attached it along with a video of him doing pull-ups with like 70 pounds worth of chains on him. Just look at his back and look at what this guy's working with, Noah. Give give the people a reaction to what you're looking at and describe what you're looking at as far as what this dude's back just looks like because it's insane. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. I wish my back looked like that, but it doesn't. <laughs> I would take half of his back, I think. But the, this dude's listed at 6'3", 222 pounds, 233 pounds on ESPN. He looks much bigger than that, much bigger than both of those numbers. I mean, this dude's built like an action figure. And I know he's a very intriguing NFL prospect just for his build and his versatility. But you talked about it. This is an defensive coordinator's dream. This is the player that you have that can do anything for you. Do you need someone to stand up and be an edge rusher for you on third down? He can do it. Do you need a quarterback spy? He can do it. You need somebody to drop into the flat, defend the curl flat with great size and length to make it very hard on quarterbacks. He can do that. He can impact the run game. This guy does it all. You talked about that dominant performance against UTSA in the curve bowl. I think that's just the epitome and just defines how much of an impact he can have on the player. He only has two tackles on the day, but one tackle for loss, one sack, forced fumble, recovers that fumble as an interception. Being around the ball like that is a skill that's absolutely priceless. I mean, especially when you're a championship caliber team like Troy was last year and you talked about him coming through in those big moments for them. Those are what builds championships if you're a championship team. You can't really put a price on the value he brings to this team. Talked about it before, three straight all-conference selections on that third team. I think this is the year he takes a step up, breaks out, does great things for this Troy defense, and he's just one of the most exciting players, I think, in the conference and very excited for this senior, senior season he's about to have. He's also a guy who went to Auburn his freshman year, so he is an SEC talent, so really looking forward to seeing him break out this year for sure. Caden, I got to admit, I'm just enjoying hearing you talk about defensive players, and I'm sure our listeners are going to as well. This feels like Christmas for you right now. Caden, I already previewed it. Uh, Troy's going to have three defensive linemen in your top five in this list, and the next one is Javon Solomon. Uh, He was the third member of that loaded Troy front line a season ago. Like Jackson and Juvenar, he garnered all-conference honors in 2022 as a third-team honoree. Uh, he's now been honored by the Sun Belt in each of his first three complete seasons. He finished last year with seven and a half TFLs, four and a half sacks. But Kane, do you remember 2021 and his stats that year? He recorded 17 TFLs and 11 sacks that season. He's a super durable guy, having played 575 total snaps last year, one of 20 defensive linemen uh, in the country to do that. And Kane, according to Pro Football Focus, he was the third best player in the Sun Belt at pressuring opposing teams' quarterbacks last year. Of the players in the top five, Kane, it feels like Solomon has arguably the most upside on these rankings, giving his success in the past for Troy. Yeah, and you talked about it before in my evaluation process. This dude's resume that he had before this season was definitely a big reason why he's ranked this high. Yes, I vividly remember the 2021 season where he was an absolute madman with 11 sacks and 17 tackles for loss. Both of those numbers would have led the conference this year. So that's why you just have to give respect to Solomon for what he's done. Some people would call this guy a linebacker. Some would even call Richard Jubiner a linebacker just because of their size. But they both play that bandit position. And when you have the numbers and the production as far as TFLs and sacks go, and you're an all-conference guy for being a defensive lineman, that's where I'm going to put you, that's where we're going to put you. He comes into this list at number five, and I think the production of this season is the reason why he got dropped to that third-team all-conference honors, but do not get it twisted. This guy is still one of the best edge rushers in the conference, one of the best run stoppers in the conference. He was an honorable mention, like you mentioned, as a sophomore, had the breakout year in 2021, and this season his production does go down a little bit, but that is because he was given some extra attention in some of those other defensive linemen that we've already mentioned before were able to have better stats. It's not like Troy had less sacks and less production as an entire defense just because this guy had more of a down year. He had more of a down year because other dudes on this defense were eating and taking sacks and TFLs away from him, which, look, there's three Troy players on this top five list. This is this is kind of the 
Detroit fans are going to love seeing this list and maybe other fans won't. But if you're a Troy fan, you lose Carlton Marshall, you lose Craig Slocum, you lose KJ Robertson. Those are some key valuable pieces to this defense that are now, now gone. But do not worry about this defensive line. They're in extremely good and extremely talented hands. And I don't think there will be a team in this conference that will be able to rush the quarterback and generate pressure as well as Troy will be able to do next season because of this unit. So very scary things will happen next year if Javon Solomon can show any glimpses of what he did in 2021 and any of the other defensive linemen on this list just do what they've always done. So he's another reason why I'm just excited about this three-headed monster attack that Troy has on the defensive line. And if I was an offensive lineman, a quarterback, running back, anyone who has to do anything with pass protection, I would have this game marked on my calendar because of this guy and the two other guys we've mentioned on this list. Man, let's take a breath and just admire the top five in the league right now, guys like Owen Porter, TJ Jackson, James Carpenter, Richard Jubinar, and Javon Solomon. Caden, that is a loaded top five heading into 2023. We've still got six more, Caden, or five more, rather, uh, with a couple of honorable mentions. So let's jump to number six, and this is a linebacker from South Alabama, Jamie Sheriff. Uh, he came back with a vengeance last year after missing the 2021 season with injury. He appeared in each of the team's 13 games in 22, finished the season. 43 tackles, seven and a half TFLs, six sacks, which led South Alabama. He's always causing havoc in the backfield, and he was the only Jag to record seven and a half TFLs, six sacks, and four quarterback hits last year. Caden, after taking a big leap forward last season, it really would not surprise me to see him have the best season of his Jaguars career in 2023. Yeah, and that's why he's listed at six. There's some people that might have some better production or maybe a better resume in the past, but him being at six is kind of projecting that the South Alabama defense is going to be just as good, if not better, than they were last year, and he's going to be able to be even more productive. Again, he's a little bit more of a sleeper pick at this sixth spot, but I think, like you mentioned, he has a great story. He's a junior college product. He had a few starts under his belt, made a few plays in his first season at South Alabama, then he misses the entire 2021 season with an injury and comes back just an absolute different animal with those 43 tackles like you mentioned the seven and a half tackles for loss and the six sacks and he went a little bit of a heater this year he had a one and a half sacks in back-to-back games versus Troy and Arkansas State but this guy like we've talked about before with the different body types that come at this defensive end spot he's a true defensive end six to 260 pounds extremely long guy he uses that in his advantage when he's coming off of the edge he's very athletic for his size as well but I think the reason he's going to pop leading up into the season is because of that defense he's playing on. We've talked about it. The South Alabama defense is absolutely loaded with talent everywhere, and they brought back a ton of guys on defense, especially in the secondary, which we'll get to in the future. But this defense is even better this year, I think. You could argue with the continuity they have, and I think even that secondary being better might have covered account for more coverage sacks, the quarterback having to hold onto that ball a little bit longer, and maybe we'll see the sheriff in the backfield a little bit more often this season to kind of raise up his production. So really excited about him and just the South Alabama defense that you know I love as a whole heading into the year. Yeah, I have to imagine he'll kind of be that long arm of the law for South Alabama on that defensive line. There we go. Kane, we'll move on to uh, Jordan Rebels at Texas State. He's been a two-time All-Sunbelt honoree during his career. Several publications have already uh, ranked him as high as a second-team honoree in the preseason uh, heading into 2023. Caden, he was a Bednarik Award watch list player last year for the best defensive player in college football as a junior. Uh, all he did was finish with 70 tackles, which was among the leaders at the defensive line position in the Sun Belt. Also had 11 TFLs, uh, was ninth best in the Sun Belt in that category, recorded four and a half sacks. Kane, I found this impressive, too. He recorded 37 total QB pressures uh, across nearly 675 snaps in 2022. 
We saw Levi Bell depart for the NFL, and Texas State is really going to be relying on Rebels to anchor that defensive line this season. Yeah, this is another sleeper in my eyes, I think, in the conference just because of the team he plays on. But this is a hell of a player. And I think you mentioned he's been an honorable mention the last two seasons. And some teams, have, some publications have even given him the nod for second team all-conference honors and things like that. But I think if I was a defensive end, I'd kind of want to be built like Jordan Revels just so I can play the way he does. He's 5'11", so maybe I'll keep my height. But at 235 pounds, he's just allowed to play with so much speed and explosiveness off of the edge while having that size. You talked about him having those 70 tackles, 11 TFLs, four and a half sacks, and all of those hurries. He absolutely crushed it last season, and I can't confirm this, but he does look like he's lost a little bit of weight from his earlier days in San Marcos. He did switch numbers from 91 to 8, so maybe he just looks a little bit more slim and a more slimming number, but regardless, he looked great last season, and his pursuit of the quarterback and just his pursuit of the ball in general is very, very good. He's a true defensive lineman, run stopper, pass rusher, but when he gets in the open field in those situations, he almost turns into a, another linebacker for your team just for the way he can pursue the football and tackle in the open field, get tackles from behind and from the side. So he's a great player with a great motor that you want on your defense. He also wears a neck brace, which is super scary. So I'm just excited for this guy this season in this new defense under Jonathan Patchkey. And he should be on the field a ton if this offense lives up to the hype it's supposed to be. So very excited about Jordan Revels and hope he gets the recognition he deserves this upcoming season that he might not have gotten in the past in the conference. Okay, and we all know the main reason that people move from higher numbers to lower numbers is because the jerseys are tighter and it just makes you look a little bit more ripped. We know how you football players are. <laughs> uh, we will move on uh, to number eight. It's Michael Mason uh, for Coastal Carolina and Caden. He's the only transfer on this list and someone that uh, you're going to have to defend a little bit here. Uh, he's coming over from Wofford at the FCS level. Uh, he was the first Wofford Terrier to record all SOCON honors in four straight seasons. Uh, he finished his Wofford career with 30 TFLs and 20 sacks, which are both top four uh, in program history. Uh, he's going to bring some much-needed size to a Coastal Carolina defensive line that saw the likes of Josiah Stewart, Jared Clark, uh, Adrian Hope all depart during the offseason. Caden, if his skill set can translate to the FBS level, Mason really has the opportunity to help solidify that coastal defensive line and perhaps shoot up this list. Yeah, look, I wanted to do nothing but respect all of the elite defensive linemen that have played in this conference last year over the course of a couple seasons even, but this is as far as I could go on this list without putting Coastal Carolina transfer defensive end Michael Mason on this list. I obviously had him ranked extremely high as my top defensive player during the conference this season. That I So I'm probably going to repeat some of those points I mentioned in that episode, and you should definitely check it out if you haven't. But this guy is two, 270 pounds. He's six foot three, and he's the first Wofford player ever to earn all conference honors first or second team in four straight seasons. And I think if you just look through his sack and TFL numbers through his seasons, that that justifies him being on this list as much as it should. So I'm going to go through his numbers the last four years, starting in 2022, the first number being TFLs, the second being sacks. 2022, he had nine and a half and seven and a half. 2021, he had four and a half and two and a half. That was an eight. He only played in eight games that season. In the 2020 shortened season with five games for COVID, he had five and a half and three. And then in his freshman season in 2019, he had 10 and a half and seven. There's not many people in the conference that have that level of production on any level, any college level, any Sunbelt level, maybe even at the high school level for some of these guys. I know the FCS level doesn't compare to the FBS level in the eyes of some people, but at a certain point, the numbers and the consistency are undeniable. The amount of players in the Sunbelt that have achieved this level of success and production is very, very small. And that's why Michael Mason makes the cut. We talked about it before as well. 
Josiah Stewart, not on this team. He's been this team's leader in sacks for the past two seasons. If you look at it combined, he's in Michigan. Maybe Mason can replace some of that production that was not there. That's not going to be there this year, sorry, because Stewart's now moved on to Ann Arbor. But I think this guy's resume is undeniable. I think he's going to pop in this defense. And the next player on this list is one of his teammates. And I think as a duo, they might be able to do something special this year in Conway. Hey, look at you giving a little bit of spoiler. That episode that Caden mentioned was episode 73 of the Prairie and Smith podcast, where we ranked our top 10 transfers heading into the year. Caden, uh, that is the second most listened to episode in Prairie and Smith podcast history. So if you've not listened to it yet, uh, make sure to go back and look at episode 73 of the Prairie and Smith podcast. Caden, you kind of previewed it. And at number nine, Jaquan Griffin for Coastal Carolina checking in. He's the best returning player for Coastal on that defensive front. Uh, we mentioned guys like Hope and Clark and Stewart are all gone. He finished last year with seven TFLs in five and a half sacks, which were both in the top five for that Shauna Clears defensive line. He transferred from Georgia Tech prior to last year, where he had appeared in 33 games over four seasons. Caden at six foot 255, he's going to be bringing some much needed size to that coastal front that gave up over 130 yards per game on the ground last season. Yeah, just another coastal guy who really has some big shoes to fill. I um, wanted to give some defensive tackle love here while I could. You mentioned the size that this guy has. He's not the biggest defensive tackle, but he's extremely strong, fast, and explosive. And he has that power five pedigree being a player that went to Georgia Tech before this. But this season was by far his most productive. His five and a half sacks were reminiscent of James Carpenter's year, James Carpenter's year in the interior defensive line. But I think where Carpenter is much better, if I'm being honest, is in his run defense where Griffin could improve a little bit. I believe he can. He definitely has the ability to do that. He's shown it in the past at Georgia Tech. He can continue to show it moving forward. But I'm most curious to see how his production is without big Gerard Clark next to him up front. I remember games like the App State game or Marshall last season where those two guys seemingly lived in the backfield. Those A-gaps were just plugged up for the entirety of the game and they kind of owned that area of the field. Curious to see if he can be just as effective as a run stopper and a pass rusher without big Gerard next to him. And very excited to see how he can possibly pair with Michael Mason, like I mentioned before, for this defense that definitely needs some help up front. Yeah, those two players could uh, be really strong. And Coastal would love to see that, be able to stop that run game a little bit more uh, heading into 2023. Caden, we finally reached number 10. And we've got a Georgia State player checking in here. This is Javon Dennis, uh, who garnered all Sunbelt honors a season ago. He finished second on the team. Uh, with nine TFLs and recorded four sacks. He had some huge performances, though, last year against some of the SBC elites, including Southern Miss and James Madison. Uh, Dennis has recorded 18.5 TFLs, 6.5 sacks during his three seasons at Georgia State. And, Caden, really what I'm impressed with when you look at Dennis is he has a knack for being around the football. He's currently top three in program history with four career fumble recoveries. He's one of three players in GSU history with two defensive scores. Uh, we've seen steady improvement from him over the past three seasons, and now Georgia State really needs him to take another step forward if they want to compete and perhaps get back to a bowl game. Yeah, another underrated guy that I'm glad we can get on the list just because he's been consistent for this Panthers defense, like you mentioned, for the past two seasons. You talked about his career numbers, which are really just two seasons of work when you look at those 18 and a half tackles for loss, six and a half sacks, and his knack for being around the football. If you haven't seen, if anyone hasn't seen any of the listeners 
any of his big man touchdowns and his scoop and scores. I highly recommend watching them because who doesn't love a big man touchdown? And Javon Dennis has kind of find a specialty in doing that. But for me, being able to make that kind of impact on the defensive line just gives you extra points. It's not very often that you kind of have like a ball hawk type player as a defensive tackle. But this is a big boy. And at first glance at 265 pounds, he kind of looks like a defensive tackle at times. But they do line him up in the interior a little bit. And he has some versatility on the defensive front, which I think is huge for a Georgia State team who's kind of gone through some injuries at times, has some talent that's come and gone from the roster, especially on defense. But he has great speed for his size, which you could see in some of his scoop and score plays as well as some of his sacks. But he's a great player, like you said, that has improved every season. And I see no reason why he wouldn't improve again this upcoming season so excited for john Ron dennis and glad he can get his flowers and get on this list Caden, uh in predictable form you were not able to narrow this down to just 10 there's a couple guys that i know you want to give some shout outs here at the end we don't got a lot of time left in this episode but Caden, who are some other guys that sunbelt pl- or sunbelt fans rather uh should be looking out for in 2023 at the defensive line position yeah, so another transfer I talked about, that was my number two defensive player, Kevin Swint, is a great player out of Clemson. Haven't seen too, too much out of him as far as knowing if it will translate, but I think even him paired with a guy like Javon Dennis might be dangerous for Georgia State. I think he could have a big year as a transfer. Two Southern Miss guys were so close to making the cut for me, Quentin Bevins and Jalen Williams, two guys that showed some promise last year. Not a ton of promise because the guys in front of them obviously had a bulk of the production and those guys are gone, so I haven't seen as much from them. I could very well see see them, though, making it on this list very instantly this year, stepping into those roles, being impact players, having great sack numbers. But Bevins had four and a half sacks last year and five TFLs from that interior defensive line spot, which is very impressive. He probably would have been the next player on this list. And I expect him to have a great defensive season for this nasty bunch unit. And then Waikivius Thomas for South Alabama, I think, is another guy who showed some promise last year, was an honorable mention, had three sacks, could also pop in a defense that's just loaded with talent. Man, those are some more great names. And Kane, this was a great list. I appreciate the work that you put into this one. There was uh, a lot of talent. And I have to admit, I'm, I'm pretty excited about the defensive side of the football uh, heading into 23. How about you? Definitely excited. Like I talked about, there's a lot of big dogs in this conference. I think the top of this list is robust and we expect a lot of big things out of those players. But like we mentioned before, a lot of talent left the conference this year. There's a lot of sacks, sacks to be had. So I'm very excited and curious to see how maybe some of the lower guys on this list can pop up. Maybe even some guys that are on the list that are going to pop up and make a difference this year. There's going to be some guys, I think, that are going to pop. And when you look at the conference and really just the style of play, with the importance of running the ball and getting after the quarterback, you could argue this position is maybe the most coveted group as far as having an impact. So very curious to see a lot of these players are on good teams that were successful last year. Very curious to see which which of those impact players can maybe take their team over the hump, take them the extra mile, and be that Troy that had their defense up front very specifically, kind of lead them to a championship, see if that formula and blueprint can be possible for another team this season. It will be fascinating. Just in the last two seasons, a guy like Josiah Stewart to TJ Jackson have been relative newcomers to the league that have popped off. It will be interesting to see who does that in 2023. Well, that will do it for this episode of the Prairie and Smith podcast. Thanks for continuing to support the show throughout the off season. We're excited to continue interacting with you, our listeners throughout the remainder of the off season. Again, here's a quick reminder about our mailbag. We haven't used it in a little while, but if you have Sunbelt football related questions, Send them our way by emailing Smith at gmail.com in the coming weeks. We'd certainly love to hear from you. Before you go, don't forget that we'll be back with the next episode of the and Smith podcast on Wednesday, June 14th. Caden, I'm really excited about this one. It will be the latest installment of our Decision Makers series. James Madison Athletic Director Jeff Ford is going to join the and Smith podcast. That's a great episode. You're really going to enjoy it. 
Well, that'll do it for us here at the Ferry and Smith Podcast. As always, if you like today's episode, take a moment to like, rate, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. It really helps us in the show out. We're going to continue bringing you some great content about the Sun Belt throughout the rest of the offseason. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Prairie. Thanks for joining us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.